I've read a lot in the last few days and seen a lot on TV of folks talking about New Year's resolutions and interviewers asking folks what are their New Year's resolutions. Uh, if you're like me, you get tired of making the same ones and failing, so this year you just decided not to make any. Um, some of you are more bold than that and committed than that and disciplined than that, and you've made some, but I've been thinking about what is the one thing that I would like to share with you that I believe would be most beneficial to us as believers in dealing with the next year and the things that we're going to encounter. What is the one thing that I have seen in my own life, the one thing that I have seen around me as I counsel other people and journey with them through life? What is the one thing that I've seen people struggle with that if we had this resolved, we might be better equipped to be servants of the Most High God in this new year? And I am absolutely convinced that it is something that is very foundational and very fundamental, but something that I have seen many, many, many people struggle with, no matter whether they are a new believer, whether they are not a believer, or whether they are a mature believer who has walked with the Lord for quite some time. And that concept, that issue that I pray that we can get resolved or have some resolution about this year is the issue of authority. What is authority? Authority is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. The power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Now, students, is authority not your favorite word? Isn't this what you love to hear your parents say? That they are the authority in your life and you'll do what they say just because... They say so. Don't you love when they say that? Adults, don't you love having authority in your life? I mean, how many of you are just rebels at heart? And no matter what the issue is, whether it's the speed limit, problem for me, okay, whether it is a, a kid submitting to the authority of a parent, or whether it is an employee submitting to the authority of a boss, we just have this natural um, propensity... Paul calls it the flesh, to desire to do what we want to do and to get away with that. Carmen talked about some of this last week when he was talking about pride for a little bit. And the issue here is that we ultimately want what we want and we don't want anybody else telling us what we should be doing. And so all of us, we struggle with this. We want the ultimate authority in our life to be us. And furthermore, when we get any opportunity in life to grow up as students who are getting out of the household or to move up in a work environment so that maybe we gain some supervisory capacity, whatever it is, we are always striving to get out from underneath the authority that is above us so that we will not have to submit to somebody else's leadership in our life. And the reason is we want to be boss. And what I found is that because of that desire, because of that drive, because of that goal of wanting to be in charge of ourselves, sometimes we lose sight of the very foundational and fundamental issue, fundamental issue in our walk with the Lord that God is our ultimate authority. And so this morning I want to talk about two types of 
of authority. But before I do, I want to tell you a story to help illustrate this concept of authority. There was a guy named Christian Herder in the 1950s. He was the governor of the state of Massachusetts. And he was running for re-election, and he had been out on the campaign trail, and he had been working very hard, and he had worked all the way through lunch, and he was glad-handing with everybody who would give him an opportunity. And he went later that afternoon, early that evening, to a church barbecue that was intended for something other than his campaign, but for him it was another opportunity to meet people, to tell his story, to shake a few hands. And he had not eaten all day, and so as all of us would be, he was a little bit tired, and he got a little bit grumpy. So he's going through the line there at the um, church, and they're serving barbecue chicken. And there's a lady behind there who's serving the plates, and he sticks his plate out, and she puts one piece of chicken on it. And just because he hadn't eaten all day, he said, you know, ma'am, would you mind if I could please have two pieces of chicken? And she said, no, sir, they've instructed me only one piece of chicken per person. And he said, well, you know, it's not normally my way to do this, but this is in his mind. You know, I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I'm just going to throw my weight around here just a little bit. Ma'am, do you understand who I am? I'm the governor of Massachusetts. She said, sir, do you understand who I am? I'm the lady who's in charge of the chicken. Move on, please. You see, the governor did have some authority. He had as much authority as the state constitution gave him in leading the affairs of that state. He had probably all of the authority over the campaign that he was running, but his authority was limited. This lady did not have near as much authority as he had, but she had authority over her small sphere of influence, and she certainly used it and used it well. All of us have been given some authority because as believers in Christ, those who are a part of the kingdom of God, those who are part of the family of God, those who have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit and we have been given authority because of the Holy Spirit living in us. But even our authority empowered by the Spirit is limited to the authority of God. But yet, God's authority has no end. And so this morning, we're going to look at two types of authority. We're going to look at the authority of God, and we're going to look at the authority of Scripture. First of all, as we look at the authority of God, I want us to look over in um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. You could probably all say this by heart. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What does this say about God's authority? It says that He is the Creator. Okay? This one single verse helps me to resolve a lot of things on a regular basis. Not only because of what it says, but because of some things that it does not say. Now, I want to ask you to think about a few things. A lot of times we try to be really intellectual. We try to philosophize about a lot of things and think at a very deep level. And we find ourselves doing this all the time. Unfortunately, it spills out into social media, and that's always a wreck. Okay, But it makes for good entertainment sometimes. But we're always trying to consider things at a deeper level, whether it's related to us, our family, or the world at large, something that's global or something that's personal. 
And we're always trying to think about the most intellectual approach to understanding the issues that we're facing. Whether it's something like ISIS, or something like immigration, or something like why we're not paying our bills at home, or why we're not getting along with our spouse. We're always wrestling with these things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First, let's talk about what this verse does say. It says, in the beginning. Now, just to be clear, this is not the beginning beginning. This is the beginning of time as we know it. This is the beginning of all things created. Because, quite frankly, God existed before this beginning. And in fact, though our finite minds can't comprehend it, He has always existed. Let's camp out on that for just a moment. Our minds are finite. No matter who is the most intelligent person in this room or on this globe, their mind is limited in its capacity to understand. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's probably me in this room, hands down. And you might be right. But your understanding is limited. Period. Not only is it limited, but it is so limited that if you were an athletic opponent to the intellect of God, you could not even suit up and get out of the locker room. You would not be qualified to get in the arena. And yet, what do we do? In our pride, we question God. We try to ask God, why are you doing what you're doing? Why have you done this? Why have you allowed this? Why would you let me be in such a position as this when I love you, I serve you, I try to lead other people toward you? Why, God, would you do that? We try to understand the way that God works. We try to understand His mind, His motives. We try to understand what He's doing globally. We try to make sense of it, not only to get our answer, but so that we can respond in the way that we're going to feel about who God is and what God is choosing to do. And ultimately, that's not for us to decide. Because this, in the beginning. Now, it says in the beginning, but what does it not say? Let me tell you what I mean. Sometimes we wrestle with, do I even believe this stuff? I mean, like if I was to go to church and I was to sit in Sunday school and somebody was to give me a sheet of paper and say, we're going to have Bible Quiz 101, who's the ultimate authority in life? God or you? You would check God. Okay? We're in Sunday school. Same quiz. Who created everything? God or you? We're going to check God. But then when reality hits, we start to see everything through our lens. And we want everything to make sense to us. And we have no capacity, no ability to begin to understand everything that God is doing, but that by the Spirit of God, He reveals to us the mind of Christ. But apart from the Spirit of God revealing to us the mind of Christ, we have no ability whatsoever to understand. It would be as though we were to go up to Huntsville and as a financial guy to tell the rocket science, move over, I know how to do this better than you do. And I don't even know how to speak the vernacular to understand what I would have to read to be able to begin step one of the process. 
take that and multiply it by whatever exponent you want to, we are not capable of understanding who God is and what God is doing, and we've got to get it resolved that He is the authority, He knows better, we don't. But how does that match up with my feelings? It doesn't matter. How does that match up with what I can can take in and process and deal with? It doesn't matter. I am convinced that the authority of God, the supremacy of God, is most intended for us to simply say, I can't, but you can. Just like the law was established, not so that we could keep it and uphold it, but so that we would recognize we couldn't and we need a Savior. In the beginning... God. He was there in the beginning, at the beginning of time. He also was there before this because He always has been. And it is okay, not only is it okay, but I would encourage you to try to wrestle with things that you cannot understand about God on a regular basis. But don't wrestle with them so that you will try to get to the end so you do understand them. Wrestle with them so you'll simply say, I can't understand this. Because that helps us to humble ourselves before an almighty God who does understand. When I read this, I don't only see that God was there and that God created, but it also says He created what? The heavens and the earth. The seen and the unseen. The eternal and the temporal. Now let me ask you this. If there is a Creator, if He's been since the beginning, if He put it all in motion seen and unseen, eternal and temporal, then who's in charge? He is. Now, we're so intellectual, we have a hard time with that. We want to wrestle with that. So let me break it down real deep for you. Pinocchio. Geppetto. You watch that and you think, well, dadgum, the puppet ought to do what the puppeteer says. Right? It's that simple when it's Disney. But when it's real life, we want to make it sophisticated and say we should be in the position to have to understand. Our worldview positions us centrally so that everything has to filter through our mind, our liking, our emotional okay of what God is up to. But Genesis 1-1 says in the beginning, God. God created. God created the heavens and the earth. And now some of you might say, well, you know what, just quite honestly... I might check the right boxes off in the Sunday school lesson, but just for real, I'm not sure if I believe all of that. Please be honest. Okay? I'm, I'm glad that you would be so honest as to say, I'm not sure I believe all that. Or even if you think you believe all that when everything's going okay, even as a believer, sometimes we wrestle with applying that and say, well, maybe that's not sure true today. One thing that I always do when I look at this verse is I say, well, I don't know if this is true, even though I think I've got it resolved. But what I do know, you know, I can't say I was there, right? I can't go to Philosophy 101 and explain to my philosophy professor what happened at the beginning, no more so than he can explain to me what happened at the beginning. But we both try to do so with confidence and evidence. But at the end of the day, we roll it all the way back to that beginning point, and both of us have to take a leap of faith because our evidence runs out. And when we do that, the only thing I can tell you is this. I wasn't there, so I don't know what is true about God in the sense of me having witnessed His creation at the beginning. 
But I do know this is true. I know I wasn't there. And I know I didn't create everything that is seen and unseen. And that alone should humble me enough to listen to the one who claims that he was there. To listen to the one and submit to the one who claims that he did create it all. Not just because of what he declares to be true, but what I know to be true, that I wasn't there at the beginning. And I did not create. Psalm 135, 6 says this, Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deeps. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. But we somehow think He ought to check with us first. Right? Make sure we're okay with that. Make sure it fits into our planner. Make sure it fits into our budget. Make sure it fits into the warm and fuzzy category of our emotions. Make sure it fits into the limited, little bitty, tiny, minute ability that we have to understand. So as long as God is acting like we want Him to, or we think He should, or what we thought was going to happen because of something we learned before, then we're okay with God being who God is and doing what God does. But when God does something outside of that, we say things like, well, that couldn't have been God. Or even more boldly, if that's God, I don't want to follow that guy. Because he doesn't know what he's doing any better than I do. Because in our mind, we think God has to be fair. Psalm 135 simply says this, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Now, if Geppetto created Pinocchio, it is okay for Geppetto, the creator, to do with the puppet what he wants. We don't struggle with that at all. But for the God of the universe, the creator of all things, seen and unseen, eternal and temporal, to try to tell us, the created, what we ought to do, or to try to do whatever He pleases and us have to deal with it, seems somehow unfair to us. And the only way I know how to say that is a quote from Francis Chan in a book called Crazy Love. And he said it this way, When you get your own universe, you can make your own standards. When you get your own universe, you can make your own standards. Sometimes we just have to be humble enough to just say, Lord, I don't get it. I really don't. I really wish you would do something a different way. I really wish I don't have this pain. I really wish I didn't have this struggle. I really wish things would be easier. I really, I really wish dot, dot, dot. And try to comprehend what it is. But instead of going to the end of the game and trying to cross the finish line of understanding, it's so freeing. It is so freeing to simply surrender and say, God, I don't understand, but you do. I'll never understand because I've got this much capacity and you've got all of the capacity. Lord, I know compared to a couple of guys in my church that aren't real bright but think they are, I probably know a few things. But compared to you, I don't know anything. All I know is what you've chosen to reveal to me. All I will ever know is what you choose to reveal to me. Let me just humble myself and sit at your feet. Let me just bask in your glory. Let me just spend time in your presence and let you choose to reveal to me what I need to know. When you get your own universe, 
you can make your own standards. Well, that doesn't seem loving. That doesn't seem fair. Okay, it doesn't. To us, according to our standard, but what if God was so big and so great and so wise and so smart and so powerful that the things that He would do that would seem wrong to us are actually right in His economy? That happens. That's, that's how God operates. We have got to let go of control. You can't let go of control if the person in authority in your life is abusing you. But you can absolutely let go of control if the authority in your life is God. Because He loves you and He cares for you. In just a minute, we're going to look at some of the benefits of submitting to His authority. The second type of authority I want to talk about this morning is the authority of Scripture. Why? Because the number one primary way, in my opinion, that God reveals Himself to us on a regular, daily basis that cannot be confused or is less to be confused, and I'll explain what I mean in a minute, is the way that He reveals Himself to us in Scripture. Now, experiencing God, Henry Blackaby, all other kinds of teachings, are there other ways that God reveals Himself to us? Yes, by the Holy Spirit, by situation and circumstance, by other believers and the Holy Spirit in them sharing things with us. There's lots of ways, by miracles, by dreams, by visions, there's lots of ways that God reveals Himself to us But some of those ways can at some times be a little squirrely because we think we feel a certain way and we have to test it against something. And if you come to me with a word from the Lord and that word is like way out of left field, I better test it before I realign my life with it. Do I believe God can speak through you? Yes. But I better check it out before I just realign my life with what you're saying to me. So there's got to be some standard. And that standard, according to God's plan, is His written Word. The way that He has revealed Himself to us in Scripture. And the cool thing about Scripture is this. God will never, in my opinion, now, i got to be honest, He's going to do whatever He pleases. Okay? So, in the way I understand it, in my little limited capacity, God always reveals things to us that can be consistently backed up with Scripture. He doesn't operate through other people talking with us, through situation and circumstance, through dreams and visions, through miracles, through other ways, through the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say and do things in our life that contradict what He has already revealed to us about Himself in Scripture. And so He has given us His written Word as the standard to test everything by. Joshua 1.8 says this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. How many of you want to be prosperous in 2016? Woo! How many of you want to have success in 2016? Woo! Okay? You want to know how? Right here. Meditate on God's Word. Don't let it depart from you. Do everything. Be careful to obey it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. Isaiah 40, verse 8, talks about the eternal nature of God's Word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Luke 16, 17 says, It is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of the law to fail. 
God's Word is eternal. God's Word never fails. Now, we think we're hearing from the Lord. We don't understand something. We submit ourselves to Him, Lord. What are you doing? He takes us to Scripture. He shows us something. But, oh no, what He showed us to be true in His black and white and red written letters is absolutely contrary to what we thought, wanted, or believed before we went there. Now what? A few months ago, there was a certain issue that many of us were talking about here in the church. Many people around the culture were talking about it. It was all over social media. And that was the issue, and it is still happening today, but specifically about immigration. What should we do about Syrian refugees? And we talked about this in our youth group, and we kind of threw out the issue without digging into God's Word and just got people's opinions. And honestly, they were as consistent, as consistently inconsistent as everybody in this room and everybody in this town and everybody on social media who was talking about them. And some people were saying, hey, you've got to throw open the doors of your country and the arms of your house and take in anybody who needs to be taken in because Jesus, you know, loves strangers. And then some people were saying, you can't let anybody in because you've got to be wise and prudent and be safe and you can love them to Jesus in their own country. Okay. So then we started looking at what God's Word said about the issue. And God's Word was actually pretty direct about how God feels about these kinds of people and these kinds of situations. And we still never left there kind of having the policy procedure that we should move forward with for our country, so none of us ran for office. But we did leave recognizing that what we thought when we walked in was counter to what God's Word said. And so I asked a question that really for me was a hard question. And for a lot of our students, we're, we're wrestling with this question. Now, it seems in Sunday school, in a vacuum, on just checking off a box so everybody who sees your answer knows you're spiritual, like an easy question to answer. But on a day-to-day -day basis, when you've got a plan, you've got a direction, you've got a desire, and then you seek God out and His Word tells you something different than what you believe to be true about who you are or what you should do or what makes sense or how you should respond to a situation. His Word is different. Here's the question. Are you willing to let God change your mind? Are you willing to let God change your mind? On a Sunday school quiz, yes. God is everything. In real life, I want to be in charge. It better feel good to me. I better understand it. How can I have faith and follow this if I don't understand it? If it doesn't seem right? But if God's Word shows you something that is counter to what you wanted, expected, understand, or believed to be true before you sought Him out, I'm just going to be real with you. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, you've got to let go of what you thought, felt, wanted, or desired, and you've got to take up what His Word said. It's the only thing that you have to latch hold of that's not going to lead you astray. Your feelings, your expectations, your desires, your wishes, your wants are all going to lead you astray. Now, if we've got a friend or a family member who's struggling in the pit of sin, we see that they're going after things that this world is lying to them about, and yet we know it's only going to leave them feeling empty. We see that objectively from a distance and we say, we know how this is going to end up. Don't do that. But then in our own sophisticated intellectual, emotional ways, we do the exact same thing. 
We know how to rationalize it. We know how to justify it. We know how to make sense of it. But at the end of the day, here's the question. If God's Word shows you something different than what you thought to be true or wanted or desired or expected, are you willing to let God change your mind? And it comes down to the issue of submission. Are you willing to let God be God and be the Creator? And are you willing to be the created? I want to suggest to you, just very quickly, that there's tons and tons and tons of benefits of living under the authority of God and under the authority of Scripture. But three of them for the sake of time, and specifically these three, because I believe that these three are three where we are most vulnerable. The first is living under God's authority provides protection. Psalm 138, verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Living under the authority of God and of Scripture provides protection. Secondly, living under God's authority provides provision. And I know that this is an area that that many of us struggle with. And this is an area that goes beyond how much money is in our checking account. It goes beyond our ability to pay the bills. It goes to a much deeper level that we feel vulnerable deep down within ourselves if we don't feel like we've got enough. Not just enough money, but enough time, enough energy, enough emotion, enough understanding. If we don't feel like we have enough to be in control of the situation, we feel vulnerable. And then here's the wacky thing. At the current moment, we could have more than enough of any or all of those things and we fret about the day in the future when we might not. This is an area that we struggle with, an area of vulnerability. But living under God's authority provides provision. Philippians 4.19 says it like this, And my God will supply all of your needs, just like you want them and put them on your Christmas list. No, even better than that. According to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He does what He pleases. But He's going to take care of you in the process. He does what He pleases, but He's going to provide for you everything that you must have. Not according to your wish list, but according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Which means if you can get it resolved that it is better to be submitted to God than for you to be in control of your life, all you need to know is this, His way is better. And no matter what you desired His way is going to benefit you more than your way. It might look different. It might be painful. It might require sacrifice. It might require you changing what you wanted altogether completely to get on the page of what He wants. But here's the reality. What He wants for you and what He will provide for you is better than you want for yourself and it's better than what you would have given yourself. And if you're a parent, it's somewhat easy to understand this. Because this happens with your kids all the time. 
They want something that's not good for them, or maybe they want something that is good for them, but it's not as good for them as something else. And you try your best to steer them in that direction. And if they're like two, you spank them towards it till they get it. And if they're like 20, you suggest it and pray for them and hope in their own free will that they turn and move in that direction. And on some exponential level, I'm sure that's how God feels about us. I'm tired of spanking you in that direction. You're 50 years old now. I'm going to let you try it on your own. Okay, I'm going to spank you again. Okay, now let's try it again. And then eventually, if we ever get it resolved, not once and for all, hopefully once and for all, but the reality is it's day after day after day that we get it resolved that God is our authority, that He was there in the beginning, that He created it all, that it's all for Him. Our life is not our own. We don't live for Him. We live for us. We live for Him. We don't live by us, our strength, our ability, our emotion, our understanding. We live according to His Spirit within us, empowering us for daily living. Our life is not our own. We're submitted to Him. He is our authority. And if we get that resolved, and then we resolve it again tomorrow, and we resolve it again the next day, then ultimately when we start to receive God's protection, and ultimately when we start to receive God's provision, We are grateful what it is that He has given us because even if it doesn't feel like what we wanted, we know it's better than what we desired. And then finally, living under God's authority provides us with purpose. And how meaningful life is when we feel like we know what we're living for. 2 Timothy 1.9 He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. He doesn't let us live for our purpose. He has created us for His purpose. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And as the praise team comes and as we prepare to close, I want to ask you one question as we start out this new year. In the year 2016, will you submit to God's authority? Will you submit to God's authority? Maybe for the very first time. Maybe you've been running your whole life and rejecting God, and today you just want to lay it down for the first time and say, Yes, Lord. And maybe you've been walking with God for a long, 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 long time, but you wrestle with this on a regular basis, and you want to say anew and afresh for this year, Yes, Lord, I want to lay this down. I want to give you authority, ultimate authority in my life for this new year. I want to follow you in a way that I haven't before. But most of all, I want to be submitted and surrendered in a way that I haven't in a long time. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Here's how you can do it. You don't have to leave your seat. You can do business right there with you and God. But I do suggest that it is something different, something consecrated, something holy, something powerful, something maybe a little bit more significant at times. If God would lead you to this altar just to get before Him and lay some stuff down. If you're afraid to do that, stay where you are. Don't be afraid. Just do business with God. But if God leads you to this altar, you can come. You can get some stuff resolved with Him this morning that He'll be the authority in your life. We'll have some guys that would be willing to come and to pray with you. I'll be standing here, and if you want to grab me, I'd love to do that. But let's stand and let's worship, and let's resolve this new year to let God have authority in our lives. Thank you.